Hey everyone, thanks for checking out the River Community Church podcast. If you want more information about the church or things that are going on, you can visit therivercc.com or you can check out our app at app.therivercc.com. Today's message comes from Pastor Steve Taboo. Uh, today, we've been going from Genesis to Revelation, and this week we're reading in Jeremiah. And I will say to you, if there's one thing about the book Jeremiah, it's about the most depressing book you'll ever read. Anybody give me an amen on that? And then the only one second to it is Lamentations, which is also kind of the same, same story there. And uh, it's because Jeremiah is, is sharing the word of hope to all these folks, and they just keep rejecting it left and right. He keeps trying to tell them, listen, turn back to God. God wants you to know him. And they just keep ignoring him and uh, not listening to what he has to say. And so I thought, you know, I really need something just to pep us up in the beginning. And a buddy of mine had sent me a story, Rick, and I was like, man, I need to just share that because that's funny. So uh, a story of a pastor who's passionate preacher. And uh, this particular Sunday, he was preaching on drunkenness. He had a choir director that was a practical jokester. And so... So the, the pastor just preaching. He said, you know what? We've got to get rid of the drunkenness in our town, and we've got to start getting aggressive. And he said, matter of fact, if, if I was so rich and I owned all the wine in the world, he said, I would just pour it all in the river and be done. And then he went on a little bit longer. And he said, and then there's whiskey, and whiskey's a problem. And if I had all the whiskey in the world, I would just put it in the river and just flush it all away. Then he went on. He's like, man, the problem with beer. Beer is just as bad. If I had all the beer in the world, I'd just, I'd just put it all in the river and be done with it. And he gave his invitation. He said, brother, what hymn are we singing? And the, the choir director just kind of smirked and said, 141, let us gather at the river. <laughs> I could see Jimmy doing that to me. Couldn't you see him doing that to me? Oh. Well, this morning, as we look at Jeremiah, we're going to almost like try to take the whole story and do an overview and then look at just some things that we could pull out of Jeremiah. Now, Jeremiah came on the scene at a time where uh, all nations were just rebelling against God. They're in idol worship. They were sacrificing their own kids in, in worship to God called Molech. They were coming to the temple. They had, they had built uh, prostitute houses inside the temple of God. And they're including that in their temple worship, they would call it. And so all this evil was going on all over the world. And so God said, I'm sending the Babylonians. And I'm going to send Nebuchadnezzar. He's going to come in. And to all you nations, I'm warning you, turn away from this evil and turn to me and you'll be spared. But if you keep going this path that you're going, then the Babylonians are going to come in and they're going to just wipe you out. And if you resist them even more than what's going to happen, is they're going to carry you off into slavery. But Jeremiah keeps telling them, but if you will turn away from that sin, God will still forgive. He will still love. He will still nurture you. He will still restore this nation. And that's what you see all through these prophets that we're reading. And sometimes people read the Old Testament and they think, man, God is a God of judge, uh, a judge, you know, he's, he's a God that's constantly preaching this turn or burn kind of thing. 
But what God is, is God is like the most patient, loving father ever. I don't know of any father that would go through what, what God went through and still continually say, but if you'll come back, if you'll come back, if you'll come back, where they are literally cursing his prophets, killing his followers, killing them for loving God, and he's still sending more prophets to them and saying, I still want y'all to come back to me. I love you. The book of Hosea, uh, one of the books in the, in the Old Testament we'll be reading is another beautiful book. Be looking for that when you go through it, okay? All right, so if you got your Bibles, we're gonna be in Jeremiah. Jeremiah's in the Old Testament. Uh, we're gonna start in Jeremiah chapter one and start with the call of Jeremiah. We're gonna look at what that looks like, Jeremiah one. Uh, we're gonna read one through 10 together. If you got your Bibles, pull them out. If not, it'll be on the screen, or you could pull the Bibles in front of you out and read along with us. So let's read Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 1 to 10. It says, These are the words of Jeremiah, son of Hilkiah, one of the priests from the town of Ennis in the land of Benjamin. The Lord first gave messages to Jeremiah during the 13th year of the reign of Josiah, son of Ammon, king of Judah. The Lord's messages continued throughout the reign of King Jehoiakim, Josiah's son, until the 11th year of the reign of King Zedekiah, another of Josiah's sons. In August of that 11th year, the people of Jerusalem were taken away as captives. Jeremiah's call in his first visions, verse 4. The Lord gave me this message. I knew you before I formed you in your mother's womb. Before you were born, I set you apart and appointed you as my prophet to the nations. Oh, sovereign God, I said, I can't speak for you. I'm too young. The Lord replied, don't say I'm too young, for you must go wherever I send you and say whatever I tell you. And don't be afraid of the people, for I will be with you and I will protect you. I, the Lord, have spoken. Then the Lord reached out and touched my mouth and said, look, I have put my words in your mouth. Today I appoint you to stand up against nations and kingdoms. Some of you must uproot and tear down, destroy and overthrow. Others you must build up and plant. Let's go to the Lord in prayer and ask God to speak to us this morning from Jeremiah. Lord, I thank you for the book of Jeremiah. That although I know sometimes he got depressed and discouraged and wanted to give up, Lord, we see your relentless love for your people, that you just never give up on them. You just keep going back and forth and back and forth trying to win them with your heart. Lord, I pray that as I share today that your spirit will speak truth into us, that we will hear clearly and that you'll show us a nugget, an insight, a bit of the call that you have for us and that we will have the courage, as Jeremiah had, to say, okay. Pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so if you have your listening guide, that's what we pass out when you come in the doors and uh, listening sheet. So the first thing is that God's call trumps man's professions. Okay? Now, you and I, we, we have jobs we have to do to pay the bills, Right? Uh, each person in here of some magnitude has to feed themselves somehow. And so we have jobs, we have professions, but then I believe we can have a calling. And that calling can be the same in our jobs sometimes, but then sometimes it's completely different. After first service, I had 
someone come to me and she said, I know my calling. And her calling, she feels is prayer and interceding for people. Well, she's never gonna be like on stage necessarily. That's not her calling. She's a behind the scenes person. And she's fulfilling her calling. I asked her, I said, so are you doing it now? She said, I am. I said, well, that's awesome. So I prayed over and just encouraged her. And so for some of you, you may be walking that calling out every day. For others, you may be still in that question zone of what's my calling? Jeremiah is given his calling. Now, what's beautiful here is you see that, that God tells him, I knew you before you were even formed. I had a plan before you were even born. And that's why for those that maybe you, you didn't grow up in church, I didn't grow up in church. I didn't know the Lord until I was 17. And for some of you, you, you grew up not knowing who God is, and you're just kind of getting to that point. I want you to know it's not too late. For all of us, even if you've been a Christian all your life and you're like, I still don't really know what my calling is. It's not too late. The Lord wants to speak to each one of us and give us clarity. And it may be if you're a dentist, being the best dentist for God you can be. It may be if, if you're a real estate agent, being the best real estate agent to the glory of God. It may be that if, if you're a plumber, being the best plumber to the glory of God. It may be if you're a school teacher, being the best school teacher to the glory of God. But it may be that God calls you to be a school teacher but the calling he puts on your life is to pour into young single moms. It may be that your calling in life is, is to help pour into people with addictions because that's something you wrestled with and found victory in Christ over. So finding that calling. So Jeremiah gets this call early in life. And um, he even says, I'm, Lord, I'm too young. He, he, he opposes God in a sense. In the beginning, he's like, Lord, I, I can't do this. Sound like somebody else we studied a while back? Moses, when God came to Moses and said, Moses, I'm giving you a calling. I'll, I want you to go to the people of Egypt. What did he say? He said, I, 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 I stutter. I can't do it. And he tried to get out of it. And the Lord said, nope, this is your calling. Same thing with Jeremiah. He kind of tries to wiggle out of it here. And the Lord says, no. And the reason is because God is the one that gives him the calling says that God touched his mouth. He said, then Lord reached out and touched my mouth and said, look, I have put my words in your mouth. Today, I appoint you to stand up. And man, you talk about a, a powerful statement, to stand up against nations and kingdoms. Some you must uproot and tear down, destroy and overthrow. Others you must build up and plant. And Jeremiah did. While he was alive, he literally spoke to kings and ambassadors of nations warning them of the coming uh, attack of the Babylonians, warning them if they will turn away from their sin and evil that they were living in and turn to God, that God would still forgive them, restore them, and set their feet on solid ground. Now, I would say to you today, for all of us in the room, this is encouraging news. Because no matter what you've been through, no matter what you walk through, the good news is God still has a plan for you that he, he wants to use you to do mighty things, maybe to speak to kings and nations. I don't know. But today we could take courage. As we see Jeremiah hearing the call and, and following that courage, we can hear that same courage and we can walk it out as well. Uh, next thing I want you to see from Jeremiah comes from chapter one, verse 17 to 19, and that is that God gives the strength along with the calling. So if God calls you to do something really big, Let's say he calls you to 
uh, I don't know, uh, move to Botswana and be a missionary. You got to learn the language. You got to start everything from scratch. And you go, there's no way I can do that. You are correct. That's the whole idea. We need God. The, the idea of God putting something, a calling upon you that you can't do, is it puts us back in the place where we've got to pray and ask God for wisdom and, and direction. It puts us back in the place where we realize we need God, that it's not about our strength and our might and what you and I can do as we really work hard and pull our efforts together. It's about what he can do when we say, yes, Lord, I'm in. That's the calling. When he puts that in us, then it's about his work through us. And he, he'll provide the strength. Look at 17 and 19. He says, get up and prepare for action. Go out and tell them everything I tell you to say. Do not be afraid of them, or I will make you look foolish in front of them. For see, today I have made you strong, like a fortified city that cannot be captured, like an iron pillar or a bronze wall. You will stand against the whole land, the kings, the officials, the priests, the people of Judah. They will fight against you, but they will fail for I am with you, I will take care of you. I, the Lord, have spoken. Now that is a tall order, isn't it? You're gonna speak against nations and they will fight against you. Nations, but they will fail because I'm with you. Could you imagine if you're praying, let's say you pray today, Let's say you go home and you take the challenge and you're praying and say, Lord, whatever your calling is, I'm in. You just let me know, Lord, I'm all for it. And as you pray, the Lord begins to put Iran on your heart. And all of a sudden, as you pray, you feel like the Lord's saying, go to the nation of Iran. Ask for a meeting with the Ayatollah and share the gospel. Wow. Maybe it's just going to someone here in our nation of great power, great knowledge, great influence. Maybe it's a famous movie star. Maybe it's the person across the street. Maybe it's your cousin that you never got along with. Maybe it's your, your mom, your dad, your brother or sister. And the calling you sense is you're supposed to bring good news and you're scared to death. You ever been scared to death? I was telling the story just yesterday about my cousin. Uh, I got saved at 17. Uh, he was a year younger than me, came to visit me. And when he came to visit me, I immediately was like, man, I got to tell him about this Jesus. And he came, and I, I remember I was sleeping. I had a trundle bed. You know them trundle beds? They got the little bed slides underneath. And I remember I was up top. He was down below. And, and the Lord was talking to me like, you need to talk to him. You need to talk to him. I'm like, Lord. He's going to think I'm really weird. I only see him every now and then. You know, he lives in another state, and he's only here for a day. This is kind of crazy. I don't want to beat him over the head with the Bible. I was going through all these thoughts running through my head, right? So when God calls you, you, you might be afraid, and you might be like Jeremiah and say, Lord, I'm not, I'm not old enough, or you might be like Moses and say, I can't talk good enough, or you might be like anybody else through time that said, not me, Lord, pick somebody else. And I remember laying there and God just speaking in my heart saying, you need to share with him. And so I did. I just, I just said, hey, Chuck, can I share something with you? And he's like, what? I said, well, let me tell you what happened in my life just a couple months ago. 
And I, I began to share with him how I became a Christian and how Jesus had changed my heart. And I said, would you like to do that too? And he was like, yeah. I was like, really? And he's like, yeah, yeah, I do. I was like, let me explain it one more time. Because <laughs> we talked about it more. He's like, yeah, I'd like to do that. And literally Chuck prayed to receive the Lord right then. And I was like, okay. So then Chuck left and I didn't see him again for three years. Because again, we, he lived in North Carolina, I lived in Tennessee, and, and, um, and when I saw him the next time, uh, I, I mentioned it to him, and he didn't even talk about it. So I thought, okay, well, maybe that was just him being nice to me as a cousin. And, and, uh, and then about three years later, he got married, and so I just called to congratulate him because I was living in California, he was here, so I didn't come. And his, his wife answered, and I said, hey, is Chuck there? And, She's like, well, he's not here. He's at church. I said, really? He's at church? She said, yeah, yeah. He leads the children's ministry at church. I was like, what? I said, if you don't mind me asking, because I knew she was a Christian. I said, when did Chuck get saved? She said, well, you'll have to ask him. I said, okay. So he called me back up later, and I started talking. I was like, Chuck, that's awesome that you're doing the kids' ministry. I said, when did you get saved? He said, well, you led me to the Lord. Don't you remember? And I was like, well, I did. I didn't think you did. (laughs) And he said, he said, Steve, I was very sincere that night. But when I left, I didn't have anybody back in my friends or anybody to encourage me in my faith. And he said, I believed, but I went right back to my old patterns. He said, and it wasn't until I met my wife that I have now where I saw the light of Christ in her as well that I desired that, and I went to church with her, recommitted my life to the Lord, I got baptized, and we're, we're in love with the Lord. I was like, that is so cool. Did I put God bumps on your arm? It's like, what if, I, what if I kept silent? What if I'd missed that opportunity? It wasn't a big calling. God didn't tell me to go to the President of the United States and tell him about Jesus. He said, your, your cousin, one year younger, is laying in the bed next to you. You need to tell him about Jesus. But I was scared to death. Listen, God speaks over Jeremiah. I want you to hear this again. As a matter of fact, everybody close your eyes and just listen to the Lord speak this over you. Do not be afraid. I see that I have made you strong like a fortified city that cannot be captured, like an iron pillar or a bronze wall. You will stand against the whole land, kings, officials, priests, and people of Judah. They will fight you, but they will fail. For I am with you, and I will take care of you. I, the Lord, have spoken. Open your eyes. Is that not a powerful word? Man, I want to challenge you to speak that over your children over your grandchildren, over your nieces, your nephews. I want to challenge you to speak the word of God over each other because God has spoken and said, we don't have to fear. If we will walk out what he's calling us to do, he will make the way. He will go with us. That's the one thing I can promise you. I can't promise you that if you do what God tells you. Listen, I shared with a lot of cousins after that did not have the same result. I've talked to a lot of people about the Lord since then. 
And a lot of people have said no. Some have said yes. But what if I just choose to stay silent? What if you choose to stay silent? The cost is too great. When God is putting a calling on your heart, whether it's to just love the meanest person at your work and seek to understand why they're so hateful to everybody and pray for them every day until you find out, or whether it's simply seeking to apologize to your spouse that you got in an argument with this week and you're too prideful to admit that, that you should have apologized two days ago, three days ago, or whether it's that broken relationship with your child that you're struggling to heal. I just challenge you. When the Spirit of God speaks to you, know that God will go with you to accomplish that which he is sending you to do, okay? And if you think you're too young, you know, as Jeremiah thought, well, 1 Timothy 4.12 is a great passage to memorize. Anybody under, uh, let's say 30, right? I'm gonna call 30-year-old young because in the Jewish culture, you couldn't be a priest until you were 30. And so most likely Jeremiah was under 30 because he felt like he was too young. When did Jesus begin his ministry? At 30. Because in the Jewish culture, at 30, between 30 and 50, you could serve as a priest. After that, you kind of became a priest that was a consultant to the younger guys, okay? Uh, but 1 Timothy 4.12 says this, don't let anyone think less of you because you are young. Be an example to all believers in what you say. And the way you live in your love, your faith, and your purity. So I just want to challenge you, young people. God's got a call on your life. We need the young people of today to rise up. We need the young people today to, to walk with Christ in boldness and truth and passion. We need the old people, the middle-aged people, the young, the kids, the senior adults, young adults. We, we need to all lock arms, hear that calling, and walk that out in obedience, and not let your age be something that holds you back. Matter of fact, some people might think you're too old, right? How many of you heard of a guy named George Mueller? Anybody heard of George Mueller? George Mueller is an amazing guy. I encourage you, jot his name down. George, last name Mueller. It's like M-U-E-L-L-E-R. Uh, he was a uh, a rough thug, he would describe himself as a thug when he was a young man in the 1700s into alcohol and drinking at a young age. At the age of 14, he said that he was gambling and drinking with friends and he found out that his mom was dying and he didn't even go home to check on her. He just stayed there and gambled and drank his life away while she died. And so he describes himself as just a really bad person. And then the Holy Spirit got a hold of him. He heard the good news of Jesus and the forgiveness that God offered, and he made a decision to follow Jesus. After he did that, he just couldn't help but learn more and grow. And, and so he saw these kids, they're all walking. They're all walking around town with no parents. The parents had died from disease, and, and they didn't have orphanages. And so these kids, he said, well, it broke his heart. He saw a little kid coming around. It looked like a four-year-old with a one-year-old on her back, and that four-year-old's job was to take care of that one-year-old said it broke his heart, and he knew God was saying he had to do something about it. He had his calling. So he start, him and his wife started an orphanage at 31 years old. And in the course between his, he was 31, he was 70 when he stopped. In those 40 years, they had 10,000 
and 24 orphans go through their, their orphanages. You think they made a difference? Well, that's not all. They didn't have free school back in the day uh, that he was uh, there raising the orphans. And so he's helped start 117 schools providing education for 120,000 children in his day. But then his wife died at 65. And he did remarry. And at 70, he decided to resign from leading the orphanage. Because why? Because he wanted to retire, get him a retreat center and fish, and just do nothing the rest of his life. No. Because God had put a different calling on his life. At 70 years old, he had a new calling. God put a burden on his heart to travel the world and preach the gospel. Now, this was a day before airplanes. This was a day when travel was pretty miserable if you're traveling intercontinental. And he did. He took boats back and forth to the Americas, back throughout Central Asia, through Asia. He traveled preaching the gospel from the age of 70 to the age of, was it 80, 87. He put in over 200,000 miles in those 17 years, preaching the good news of Jesus, covering all his expenses. Wow. I can't even imagine traveling 200,000 today with airplanes that we have in 17 years. But he traveled constantly, preaching the good news and sharing the story of God's provision and his miracles. So you're not too young and you're not too old. Some of you here and you thought, man, I got a, I got a pass. I'm not 33. I'm not even 50. I'm 60. I'm 70. I'm 80. You don't have a pass. God's still got a plan for you because you're still breathing right? And that's the way I see it. As long as I'm breathing, God's got a calling on my life. It may change. It may go from being a pastor one day. Who knows? Maybe I'll go from being a pastor to being a, a right, starting an orphanage. I don't know. Maybe I'll do the reverse of what he did. Or, uh, but we've got to hear from God. You know, we, uh, I had, this, had somebody else ask me yesterday. They said, I heard Steve Chapman he was on staff with us for 19 years, our family pastor. Heard Steve Chapman just went to Rising Above. I said, yes. They said, that must have made you sick. I said, made me want to throw up. I said, but the way that came about was I was sitting in the office at Rising Above with Becky Davidson, who her and her husband started the ministry, and one other person, and they're like, we need to pray for God to raise us up a, a leader in our, in our organization. We need, we need somebody with a pastor's heart. Who, who loves and understands special needs family and, and they're a good speaker and they can, they can do stuff online and they're creative. We need to, and I just sat there and I literally just smiled and said, you know what you're talking about, right? I said, that's Steve Chapman. And Becky said, I, well, I have to admit I have thought about it. She said, but I didn't want to steal anybody from the river. And I said, sister, you're not going to steal. We're going to send. Because you see, when each one of us is walking in the calling God gives us, that's when the kingdom of darkness is scared to death. Because when you have that fire in your bones, that zeal, you understand, my calling is to be an elementary school teacher. That calling comes from God. Then as you're doing that, you're not just teaching kids math and science. You have a heart to pour into them the hope of Christ and the love and the genuine faith that you have. When God's calling for you is to be an electrical engineer, 
You're not just there to, to put together an electrical plan and, and to design things. You're there because God's got you in that spot for the coworkers that you're around and the opportunities you'll have to influence people with the good news of Jesus Christ. When we all realize we have this calling and our eyes are open to it and we're listening for what God's got for us each day, man, then we're on mission. It's a fun place to be. All right, so third thing. Beware of false prophets, preachers, and teachers. Now, we saw that he told them that he was going to have opposition. But the hardest thing is when the opposition is somebody that should be on your own team. Right now in Christianity, we are divided. There's huge divides between where people are at theologically, where we belong and believe in certain things. And I'll tell you, there's one thing that can unite us. Well, really, I shouldn't say one, two things to unite us. One is the Holy Spirit. Those of us that have the, the love of Christ, we have the Holy Spirit, which gives us wisdom and insight. But the Holy Spirit intends us to read his word and to seek truth in his word so that we can have a, a foundation to stand on. And so God's word is that, that foundation to help us. And, and so... You and I need to be aware and be weary and leery of false teachers that are in our culture today. Because now with a, with a simple phone and an internet hookup, anybody could be a, a television evangelist, right? Anybody could spout all Bible verses and tell you what they think. Used to be you had to at least invest some money in a television channel and, and pay for an hour. Now anybody can say anything they want to. And there's a boatload of folks out there that'll say anything that you want to hear if you'll just send them a check. And so I want to challenge you to beware. To beware of false teachers. If they're not preaching from the Bible, that's your first red flag. If they're taking the Bible verses and doing this little spiritual gymnastics where they're trying to make it say something that it hasn't said for 2,000 years, Beware. The Lord is consistent. His love and truth is never ending. And today we have what I see is some false preachers that, that are preaching that everybody is good. That everybody's good. Everybody's a good person. I'm not good. You don't want to know what goes on in my head all day long. Anybody give me an amen on that? When you cut me off in traffic, I am not singing praise songs in my head. I'm just telling you, okay? I need Jesus because I'm a sinner separated from God, and that's why Jesus came to build a bridge to me so that me, the sinner that I am, can find forgiveness and rescue. And we aren't setting people up for a win when we tell them they're all good, we're all good. We're setting them up for a loss because they won't get freedom from the sin that Satan has controlling them if we don't lead them to the truth that's in the Bible of what sin is. We're living in a day also where preachers want to say there is no sin, that there's no hell, that there's no judgment. You can't read the Bible. You sure can't read Jeremiah without realizing that that God disciplines those he loves and that there will be a judgment. Now, the key is he disciplines those he loves. 
So I find for me, when I sin, he disciplines me. You know, like I, I get this conviction that comes on me of, wow, you really shouldn't say that. Usually the conviction comes after somebody just stay with the example, cuts me off in traffic, and I say something like, you idiot. And then I hear my kids behind me go, yeah, dad, they're an idiot. I'm like, oh, snap. I just totally set the wrong example for my kids, right? And so sometimes the conviction just comes from the Holy Spirit when I'm praying that day and saying, Lord, is there anything I need to ask forgiveness for? And he reminds me of something I said, something I did, was the wrong heart, the wrong attitude. And sometimes it's something God will convict you of that everybody else, every other Christian around you feels totally fine with. But for you, he's telling you no. And you may say, why is that? Because maybe he knows for you, you can't handle that same temptation that they can. Or maybe it's because for you, there's a line there that you don't need to get anywhere near. Everybody else, that may not be their issue. They can get as close to that line. It doesn't bother them. They're not going to walk across that line and sin. But sometimes, all you got to do is, I was talking to this guy the other day. He said, I've been, I quit smoking, what did he say, 20 years ago. He said, all I have to do though, is walk in a room and smell that smoke. And immediately, it, it sends senses through my mind. I'm like, you know, that's the way it is with all of us. We get a sniff of the past and the temptation that can come. Well, for each one of us, as we look into what God wants, we've got to be willing to get rid of any false prophets and teachers that we hear about. And we got to just listen to the word of God. This is what the uh, false prophets were preaching in the time of, of Jeremiah in verse 12 and 13. It says, they have lied about the Lord. So this is what the false prophets were saying about Jeremiah. Basically, they're saying, Jeremiah has lied about the Lord and has said, uh, he won't bother us. No, and, excuse me, they have lied about the Lord and said, he won't bother us. No disasters will come upon us. There's no war or famine. God's prophets are all windbags who don't really speak for him. Let their predictions of disaster fall on themselves. And the predictions of disaster fell on everyone. False prophets will say what they want to say, lead us apart from the God that we love and keep us from the grace and the mercy and the forgiveness of Christ and root us in pride and arrogance. Well, fourth, God's preachers, true preachers call people out of sin into forgiveness. Look at this beautiful picture. Again, this is where I see God continuing to reach out to his people and not giving up. And this is the kind of message over and over throughout Jeremiah. Jeremiah 7, 1 through 8. says, the Lord gave another message to Jeremiah. He said, go to the entrance of the Lord's temple and give this message to the people. Oh, Judah, listen to this message from the Lord. Listen to it, all of you who worship here. This is what the Lord of heaven's armies, the God of Israel says. Even now, if you... Quit your evil ways, I will let you stay in your own land. So they are, they are so far from God. We read about how they have uh, living quarters in the temple for prostitutes. We read about how they have these, these idols on every hill to worship. We read about how nobody is worshiping God as he intended. And he says, but even with all this garbage, if you'll turn now, if you'll come back today, 
If you will humble yourself and you'll come back, even now, forgiveness is there. Verse four, but don't be fooled by those who promise you safety simply by saying the Lord's temple is here. They chant the Lord's temple is here. The Lord's temple is here. But I will be merciful only if you stop your evil thoughts and deeds and start treating each other with justice. Only if you stop exploiting foreigners, orphans, and widows. Only if you stop your murdering and only if you stop harming yourselves by worshiping idols. Then I will let you stay in this land that I gave your ancestors to keep forever. Don't be fooled into thinking that you will never suffer. I think that's just one of the lies. God's judgment will be for others. God's judgment will be for another nation. God's judgment will be for somebody else with bigger sin. No, God's judgment first comes to his people, you and I. He wants us to be free from the, the, the chains of sin. He wants us to be freed to love perfectly as he loves perfectly. But only he can set us free. Only he could be the one to change our heart so that we want to stop exploiting the orphans, so that we want to show love and kindness to those around us. Now, even Jeremiah had a hard time forgiving the people. You keep reading, but God kept sending them back time and time again. Even Jeremiah wanted to give up. There's passages in here where Jeremiah's like, I'm done, God. These people don't want to listen to me. I'm sick and tired of being rejected. And the Lord kept saying, you can do this. I'm with you. I'm with you. Well, the last thing is that God is love. And God is sorrowful for having to bring discipline to his people. You see, the message of Jeremiah was that God wanted them to find life abundantly. Jeremiah 29, 11, one of the most famous passages uh, in the Old Testament because people love to quote it. Uh, Jeremiah 29, 11. Uh, put, it, put that one up there for me. It says, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm. I'm, I'm quoting from King James. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. That was what Jeremiah was trying to tell them. I have plans. I have plans to bless you. But you keep turning away. You keep turning away. So I would say to you today, where are you at? Where are you at? God's been speaking to you. God's been tugging at your heart. Where are you at? Are you running from your calling? Maybe there's some folks in here that God's put on your heart. You're called to go into ministry and you got all your excuses, right? You're too young. You're too old. You've done too much bad stuff. You've not done enough bad stuff. You've been a Christian for too long. You've not been a Christian long enough. Whatever it is, you got your excuses. I want to challenge you today for the time of invitation. I want you to come and just symbolically come and kneel here and just, just put those excuses and leave them with God and walk out of here saying, Lord, I'm in. Maybe you need to talk to somebody about the calling. Maybe you just need some accountability like we talked about last week. You just need to share that vision, whatever it is that he's nudging you to do. You just need to tell somebody so you got accountability. If you want to come over here and kneel, and when you kneel, then someone will come up and they'll ask you how they can. Nobody's going to pray with you over here. We're just going to respect your quietness. 
Uh, or maybe you need to go and, and go to the prayer room in the back. Just uh, this morning, just had someone who, who lost a loved one this week and just praying with them and the hurt and the brokenness. I don't know what you've been through this week, but that's why we have the prayer room. If there's a place you just need to go and just talk to somebody and have them pray with you. And then I'll be down front. I'll be down here, and I'd love to receive you. If you have never given your life to Jesus Christ, let me just say, at 17, it changed everything for me. I have zero regrets in following Christ. Has it always been easy? No. Just like Jeremiah, there's been opposition. Have I always done it perfect? No. <laughs> there have been times that I've made some really stupid decisions, and I had to ask forgiveness. But I have zero regrets in following Christ. And so I'm going to be down front. If you've never given your heart to Jesus Christ, I want to challenge you to step out today, have the courage, come forward, let me pray with you. Hey guys, thanks so much for checking us out online today. If you want more information about the church or things that's going on here, be sure to check out theriverCC.com or download our app and visit us there. Also, as we go through the Bible this year, we want to help keep you engaged on what's being read and talked about each week. To do that, we have a podcast called The Word This Week, which will recap each week's readings, as well as have special guests who will talk about what God showed them that week. So be sure to check that out on all podcast streaming platforms. And again, thanks so much for checking us out online.